Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Yes, this week we begin a series of dis- uh, discussions on disorders in the human condition that come under the anxiety banner. Such a modern dynamic of what it means to be human, for some reason, anxiety in this day and age. And this week we kick off with obsessive compulsive disorder. This should be fascinating. Lynn Worsley, welcome back. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Great to see you. So tell us, give us a definition of what an obsessive compulsive disorder is, Lynn. Okay, now obsessive compulsive disorder, it, it, like you said, it comes under the anxiety banner. Um, but there are two parts of obsessive compulsive disorder. There's the obsessive part where the brain look, thinks about something over and over again. It obsesses. The brain doesn't let it go and it thought, and the thoughts get faster and more catastrophic as they go on. Mm. Things like there's a germ on that person and they wipe their face or, oh dear, how they're, now they're touching something that I might touch and what if it, someone touches it and then I touch it and what if I touch that someone else and then I touch my face and what if I get sick and what if I pass it on and and what if I hurt somebody else and what if I die and so on and on and on and on. Obsessive. So it really just sort of goes around as an obsessive thought. But the second part is that there's a compulsion to stop the obsessive thought. So this compulsion may may or may not have anything to do with the obsession. So a compulsion that has something to do with the obsession is like washing your hands several times if you've got a germ phobia. They're related and they can be almost logical except when you wash your hands 10 to 20 times a day plus more if your hands start to bleed. Wow. But then there's the then there's one that has nothing to do with the obsession and that may not may be to not tread on cracks in the pavement so you don't get sick. So clearly those ones are not related, but it may also affect whether you go outside and whether you walk down the street. Yes. Yeah. So either way there's a belief that if you do the compulsion the obsession will go away. Okay, so how do you acquire or develop an obsessive compulsive disorder? Okay, now what happens in the brain is that there's a feedback loop and this feedback loop is linked to memory and the events in your life. So a simple example would be that, say in kindergarten, everyone was asked to wash their hands and the teacher got everyone to show how clean their hands were. And those who had dirt still on their hands had to go back and wash them again. Now, this feedback loop is that if you wash your hands well, you don't get into trouble. So it's fair enough. However, the brain then goes a little step further and they say, and it says, if there's a threat of some sort and you think you might might get into trouble for something and it's out of your control, the brain says, go and wash your hands because that got you out of trouble last time. Yes. So it actually might make a difference for you to go and, you know, to help you get out of trouble by going and washing your hands when you see there's a threat, basically because you avoided the threat by washing your hands. <laughs> um, yes. But it actually then feeds that it works. It says, oh, you know, that works. And so I should wash my hands every single time I think that there is any sort of strife. So there's a faulty feedback mechanism. And the washing hands gets you out of trouble rather than moving away, you know, because she moves you away from the threat. Yep. But it actually doesn't really help you get out of the trouble. It just moves you away from the threat. So you decide in your brain that it was the washing hands, and so you spend more time washing your hands. So so then it translates to the brain checking to see if you've washed your hands enough, and then it doesn't trust you. So it says, you know, did you wash your hands? I'm not sure that you did. Maybe you should wash it again. 
and then it becomes again like another broken record. So then the compulsion has to have more and more. Um, you have to do the compulsion more and more to actually get rid of the obsession. Yeah. And so over time, the compulsion is to stop the obsession, but the compulsion over time has to increase to actually have the same effect. Is it an appropriate question to ask why you'd get it? Look, there are key temperaments that are linked to having an increase in, in anxiety, and yes. we know these ones. And these are typically people who are inhibited in their style of interacting with people. So these people will naturally shy away or watch and be careful before they take risks. As little kids, these are the ones who are quieter and more compliant, and they learn to change their behavior to suit other people. But this temperament only accounts for a small part of obsessive compulsive disorder but there are, because there are many, many other factors which contribute to it. It also doesn't mean that if you have an outgoing temperament that you won't get it, but it's a general trend. Okay. Um, other factors are like having an environment that might be a little bit unpredictable or having someone who they're around who is volatile. It could be a parent, a teacher, a friend, someone in the community. Um, any situation where a person is exposed to feeling like there is no control. So the reaction is particularly those who are inhibited to compulsively comply or do something to gain a sense of control over their situation. Yep, yep. This might be to tidy up excessively or to wash your hands excessively or to check multiple times to see if the PowerPoints are turned off or to have an action that they do several times just to make them feel like they're in control of everything. But over time, they start to gather a sense of control over their environment by the obsession and the compulsion. And because they don't have to think about the real problem that they're facing, they actually feel like they have control. Yes. So the short answer is that they need to have some sort of control. So that's why it happens. Um, the long answer is that it's a process which is self-perpetuating and leads to feelings of being in control. The sad thing is that many people who have been abused develop obsessive compulsive disorder, That's interesting. Yeah. and it actually helps them to cope. Um, and over time, it, but over time, it cripples them. So, it, by stopping them from actually having a good life and really dealing with the abuse. So, we've seen some of the ways in which people manifest these obsessions and compulsions. What are the others? How do they present? What sorts of things do we notice? Okay, um, there are many forms of, of obsessive compulsive disorder and the most common that we see is obsessions with germs and the compulsion to wash their hands and clean things. Any particular reason why that would be? I think that we are a fairly, you know, germ-phobic society anyway. Okay, yes. So we tend yep. to sort of talk a lot about infections and if you wanted to sit around and coffee, you know, you'll probably hear people talk about their sicknesses. Yeah, okay. So that triggers off those people anyway. So yes. I think it's almost quite logical to have that and you can get away with it a bit more. Um, you, you might see that those people sort of get really... Um, excessive cleaning and washing and they may fear going out as well um you might see that over time that they'll avoid um going anywhere because of the effort it takes they might go out and they seem okay when they're out but it takes an enormous amount of time to clean up after they've been out in case they've touched something yeah um so these are the people that you might notice that they clean up a lot and be really well known for how clean and tidy everything is at work and at home mm. And also, they may not go out to things or they might leave early from parties because they get distressed. Um, the excessive obsession with germs can also translate to how they interact with their loved ones and their friends and their children. So eventually it becomes unbearable for family members 
to cope with the obsession and the compulsion. Mm. So they might also be very lonely or have friends and family who are estranged from them. I'm sure that's true. Look, another type is a fear of break-ins or fire in the house. And these compulsions is then to check that the iron's off or the door's locked and the power's off um, when they leave. So they might be okay for a few times, but over time the compulsion is, is that checking it isn't enough so that the brain doesn't believe that the iron is off or the brain or the power's off. So they go back again and they'll say, oh, did I check that? Or maybe I didn't. Maybe I did it last time and it wasn't this time. And maybe I better go and check it again. So they might go in 20, 30, 40 times. Wow. Just so eventually they don't go out and it's just too hard for them. Yes. Um, and other forms of obsessive compulsive disorder are with um, eating such as eating certain foods or not eating eating certain foods or having to chew a certain number of times or eating certain foods before other foods. Um, and they might have an obsession with the nutrition of a certain food and have to balance everything properly and to worry excessively about how much certain foods have of nutrients and so on. Mm-hmm. And it translates to their cooking or their shopping and going out and they might spend so much time reading labels and measuring the foods that they don't actually get through the shopping and they don't have enough time to cook. Other forms of OCD are through excessive tidying or having things straight and neat. Um, If there's one thing out of place, they'll notice it and they'll upset them. Um, I know of someone who's aware if an ornament in their house has been moved one millimetre to one side. Wow. So it's also many other forms, and I'd like to look at those over the next few weeks, um, particularly regarding sort of eating disorders and perhaps hoarding, which is also a type of obsessive-compulsive disorder. I think this will be a really interesting journey over the next few weeks. Here's the big question. Can stuff done to be change to change this, or how can you change it? Look, therapy is a must, um, and medication can help it get it get it under control. So you can actually activate some good therapy. Um, it isn't something you can just stop, and you can't snap out of it. It's 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 terribly crippling, and it's a it's a brain thing. It's really important to begin with a therapist who can help you to challenge the faulty feedback loop in your brain and to help you to gradually expose yourself to not doing the compulsions so part of the thing is that the obsession comes into your head and to be able to stop doing the compulsion even though the obsession's screaming at you is a really key thing but you can do it gradually okay so what happens if you if you don't do something about it over time it becomes such a crippling disorder that it escalates to other things such as hoarding, eating disorders, phobias or fears of going out, and it becomes a very lonely existence. I'm sure, which we'll explore. So how do you help someone with OCD, Lynn? Look, it's important to let them know that you notice the compulsions. Now, that sounds like it's really mean, but it's also it's important that you notice them, but it's also important that you let them know that you're not judging them for it. Mm, Yes. they will try and hide it so they can preserve the compulsion. Yep. But the moment it's exposed to other people without in, without judgment, it's actually easier to share the situation. Um, and it's important not to buy into the compulsions as well. So it doesn't help to stand around and wait for someone to wash their hands 20 times or to wait for them to check their house for another 20 times. In those instances, it's better, it's better to not accommodate the compulsion. Um, it might mean that you don't wait for them and they have the dilemma of stopping the compulsion so they have to catch up with you. It's a most confronting moment, a I'm very sure con- it is to And see. really a, a lot of dealing with OCD is about creating dilemmas. Yeah. So just before we go, could you give us a quick example of someone who, who you know has gone through this 
particular Look, session? you know, this was off a, um, a OCD Insight website, and so I thank the person who's written this and shared her story. It goes like this. She says, I remember the first time I had that feeling. I was a child when I experienced my first OCD attack, which involved arranging items. I'd run in to and from elementary school in a state of panic because I had developed an obsession about dogs and rabies. And I was also terrified of being late. I was fearful of authority figures. I became well-versed on the subject of hydrophobia, even to the extent of knowing the incubation periods for the diseases. I was a quiet person who felt inferior and defective. My problem was dark. Eventually, the stain of OCD infiltrated every aspect of my life. I was struggling to get through each day, and the simple daily routines now became major hurdles. I wasted so much time rechecking my work, switching on machines, locks on doors... When I drove my car, I would someone sometimes need to drive around the block to make sure that I hadn't hit someone. My ability to know and to be certain seemed to be impaired. I was afraid of saying the wrong things, and I would say I'm sorry over and over again. My anxiety levels were so high, I developed contamination concerns, and I would wash my hands with rubbing alcohol. There was more tragic things that happened to me, and there were too many losses. But she goes on to say that there's somebody actually started to talk to her about the paintings that that were painted by Rembrandt. Mm. And that was a Sunday school teacher. And she said she started to um, look at Rembrandt pictures and she saw a painting which shows Jesus being taken down from the cross. And she said um, she realized that Jesus was no stranger to pain and suffering. And that began a journey for her of starting to see that Um, that Christ was uh, in a relationship with her and he saw what was happening. And that began the journey. Then it was a significant healing journey, journey, as she tells the story on the website, uh, where she gradually exposed herself to touching things and that she was worried about. And she was waiting for something to happen and it didn't happen. And she gradually increased her exposure over time. Um, But the important thing is that she actually gradually did it. How wonderful. Yes. What a heroic thing to share. It was, and a wonderful thing to share. Very interesting. And uh, next week we'll be exploring further about OCD and eating disorders. Lynn Worsley, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Lee. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.